happy July 1st to all of you. My name is Blake. I am the executive pastor here. Privileged to bring the message to you this morning. We are one-third of the way through summer. I think uh, the heat is finally catching up to us. So I want to extend a special welcome to all of those on Facebook who are joining us live right now. And by the way, yes, my head is this shiny, okay? So it draws the sun like no other. So if you're joining us on Facebook and maybe, you know, you're at a cottage or you're at the beach or something like that, I got two words for you. Uh, turn over, okay, because it is hot out there, but uh, uh, enjoy the summertime. So glad that we're able to meet together as a family here uh, in the building, but also meet together online. So just really cool uh, that we can connect that way as a body of believers. So um, this morning, I'll tell you a quick little story here. I have a friend who bought a brand new car, okay? This spring, he bought a great-looking Spring, he bought a great-looking new car, and uh, he was on his way from home to work, and he was in a rush, because aren't we all in a rush? And as he's riding down the road to work there, he notices a turtle crossing the road. And so he swerves to miss the turtle, okay, and keeps going, but uh, about a mile down the road, all of a sudden, you know, his conscience gets the better of him, and he thinks, man, somebody's going to run over that turtle, and he's going to feel bad. So he swings his car back around, comes back the other way, stops the car, opens the door, hops out of there, goes over to there and picks up the turtle. It was a larger turtle. Picks it up and he brings it to the side of the road there and the turtle is safe and all is well. But there's a small problem. In his haste and in his rush, he realizes he didn't put his car in park. And as he's looking across there, he's on a little slight decline, his car is starting to roll down this little slight decline. So my friend waits for the traffic, to, this is his, his take on the story, he waits for traffic to clear, he gets back there and he runs to catch up to his car. He gets to his car and the door is still ajar, still open like that, and he reaches for the door, but instead of being able to stop and get in, the door shuts. Now, Here's an interesting little fact with new cars these days. It has this wonderful little feature on there. When the car is in drive and it is moving and the doors close, the doors lock. So here's my friend watching his brand new car slowly descend down the hill to a bigger hill where it comes down into an intersection and it crashes into another brand new car, okay? Fortunately, fortunately, nobody is hurt during this. And in fact, a turtle was saved. So there is a redeeming value to this story. So, but uh, anyway, nobody is hurt in this. But isn't it true? Isn't it true? When we rush, when we hurry, when we run life so quickly, problems sometimes come up. Problems sometimes exist. We run through life so quickly that sometimes problems come up because of that. There's a recent study that was taken from uh, Pew Research, and I'll show it to you here. It says 64% of Americans feel rushed. They feel hurried, and they're generally tired by the pace of their lives. I bring that into context here at Frontline. If we say 64%, we're going to say probably this section over here and this section, and probably you know, half of this section right here are going to be tired, rushed, or hurried. You guys over here, man, you are just enjoying life. It is cool and everything like that. But, so I'm just assuming you guys are good over here. So I'll preach over here. But uh, anyway, 64% of us are feeling rushed and feeling hurried and feeling generally tired. And so I say, why is this? Why is it that we are in this type of constant motion in life? 
And I'll tell you why. is because speed is everywhere. Speed is everywhere. Take a look at... Uh, the shipping industry, okay, it's a, it, speed is in transportation, it's in communication, it's information, but let's take a look at transportation. Uh, FedEx was born just a number of years ago, and FedEx changed the transportation industry uh, because FedEx said when it absolutely, positively has to be there overnight, overnight. And all of a sudden, they changed the entire industry where UPS and the Postal Service had to catch up and say, hey, we're, they're going with speed, and everybody wants speed, so we're going to go too. Here's a few other things that have changed industries. Take a look at this. Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Freaky fast. Yeah, 15 minutes. You don't even care if the sub's any good. You're just going to get something in your belly, man. You just get it going. We just got to get some food. How about this one right here? Amazon Prime. Okay, here it is. How many of you have Amazon Prime? Look at all, oh my gosh, wow. Why do we have Amazon Prime? Because you know why? Because three-day shipping takes too long. We need it in two days, that's right. We need it in two days. When I was a kid, okay, I used to collect the box tops off of uh, cereal boxes. Anybody else out there collect these? I'm my age, okay, like that. You know what? What it said on there, you mail that in, four to six weeks, you'd finally get that thing. I didn't even want the crap when it came four to six weeks later, you know, it was, what is it? I had a beard when it came, I was like, this is crazy, four, now two-day shipping. How about this one? Comcast Xfinity. Man, we do not want slow internet, do we? Chris, my office administrator, we've been dealing with Comcast. We do not want slow, slow internet here at Frontline, and you don't either, you know. You get the spinning wheel of death on your, and you're like, my gosh, two to three minutes to download something? Really? That's my entire life I'm sitting there looking at that screen. We want it now. You want it now. Not only is speed everywhere, everywhere but you know what? Speed equals power. Speed equals power. Take a look at this right here. This is a great quote. It's from Bob Davis. The, the book is called Speed is Life. So if you want a great read, jump into that. It's a quick read. Okay, sorry, a bad joke. Uh, anyway, speed in business today is the great differentiator. It's an essential survival tool. Uh, we live in a world where a company is measured by its ability to accelerate everything. If we can produce or we can process something faster, we can do it for less money. And if we can do it for less money, we can serve our customers better. And then here's the most important part, and we can beat our competition, right? There's FedEx right there. Speed is everywhere. Speed equals power. Did you know that a single edition of the New York Times contains more information in it than somebody from the 17th century would have experienced in their entire lifetime? Let that sink in a little bit. You can access more information off of a New York Times article and get that in there than somebody from the 17th century experienced in their entire life. Speed is everywhere. I started to think through this, and I started to think through, I'm thinking, am I, am I addicted to speed? Am I living in this life that goes so quick? Um, I'm going to tell you, I think I am. I tell you the truth. I have preached, this is my fourth time preaching at a different church in the last four weeks. So I've been at four different churches, and I've got nine more churches to preach at this summer still, okay? And it's only July 1st. So I am running at a, at a constant pace. Not only that, but I am also serving my duties here as executive pastor, helping out the district with some things. But, so I am running quick. 
And I started to think, wow, why am I addicted to speed? Why do I just go at such a high pace? So I started jotting a few things down, and I thought, you know what, maybe they'll resonate with you, maybe they won't, but here's just a few reasons why I think I personally am addicted to speed. I think I'm addicted to speed because I need to get things done faster. Who likes to get things done slower, right? Who wants to take their time? I want to get things done faster. Whether it is mowing my grass to see if I can go at, you know, maybe a little bit faster on the thing there, or maybe it's working here at Frontline, I like to get things done faster. Here's another one. I know the clock is ticking. Clock is ticking on me. Not only because of my age, <laughs> this clock is ticking on me, but the clock is ticking because I just said, I know I've only got a certain amount of hours each day to get things done. And I am not very productive after 8 o'clock. I'll just tell you, like, I fall like flat. So I've got just a little bit of time here. Here's another one. I have so much to do. I'm addicted to speed because I've got so much to do. Anybody, any other list people out there? I am a list. Oh, I see a few of you out there just like me. Uh, you'll laugh at it. The staff knows this for sure here at Frontline, but I walk around with a yellow legal pad, and I have lists on there because I have so much to do, and I have to have them, and I just check things off the list uh, there. So, you know, I see some other people doing that. And you know what? When I get a day that's unproductive, anybody else do this? You just start writing things that you did on like earlier and then just start checking them off just to make yourself feel better. Anybody else do that? I, you're smiling out there. I know there's some of you out there. Here's another one. I want to catch up. Oh, man. I hate being behind. And the next one is, I hate being late. Anybody else hate being late? Yeah, I see some shaking hands over there. Hey, if you're 10 minutes early for something, I, I consider that late in my book. I have to be here early. I just do not, I just can't stand being late, and I can't stand it when other people are late and keep me waiting. So last one here, or a couple more here. Uh, I want to remain in control. That's a big one for me. Control factor. I run at such a high speed because I know if I run at a high speed, I can stay in control. When I run at a slow speed, sometimes I don't keep control. Next one here. I'm trying to please people. Uh, I have a boss here at Frontline. You may know him. His name is Brian Bloom. He's our senior pastor. And I'll tell you what, I like to please Brian. So uh, I run at a high pace. I like to get things done because I want to keep Brian happy. You know, he keeps me around. He lets me preach sometimes. So it's awesome. So, and here's the last one here. I want to be first. I want to be first. I cannot say, I, I got this huge competitive spirit in me, and if you knew me, you, you would recognize that, but uh, uh, second place is actually just the first loser, right, in my book, so I want to be first, so <laughs> I got struck with you, I want to be first. So I'm asking here, these are the reasons why I run and how I'm accelerated in life and why I speed through life, so what about you? What about you? Do you accelerate through life? Do you speed through life? Maybe for you, you're a parent and you're in the middle of just another sports season. You thought it was going to end. You know, you had the spring sports, and you got fall sports, and you got this summer thing, and all of a sudden they say AAU or something along that lines or camps or anything that you have to go to. And maybe you're a parent, and you're just running from one practice to one game, and you just haven't had time to sit down as a family for dinner at all. Maybe you're running for that reason. Maybe you're addicted to speed. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you're running so much because your boss is telling you, you got to get this done, you got to deliver this, and if it's not done by that, man, you're out. You're out. And so you're running because you have to go because your boss tells you to run. And you can't even take a lunch, much less a vacation. So you're, you're like, i got to keep speeding for that. Maybe for you this morning, maybe you're a single parent, and you only know one speed, and, and that one speed is full throttle, really, because you're doing the job of two people. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe, just maybe, maybe today you're sitting here and you're going like, 
this does not pertain to me at all. I am on vacation. I am on vacation. And I am enjoying life. It's summertime. And you know what? I am operating at a really good speed right now. But I'm going to tell you, there's seasons in your life where you're operating fast. I know you because some of you have jobs and you work and it, it gears up maybe during the accounting season or maybe it gears up to your teacher and it gears up during that season. Or maybe you work in retail and it gears up at Christmas time. So I don't know what season you're in right now, but I know since 64% of us are addicted to speed, 64% of us are running at a high level that we're tired and we're rushed. And so I thought to myself, I says, why is this? Why is this? So here's a couple questions I want us to wrestle through this morning. Here's, a, here's just two questions. The first question is, in a world driven by speed and wanting to get things done, how am I supposed to find a time and a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of contentment, and some great relationships? How am I in a world that's been driven by speed? And here's the second question. This is probably even the more important one right here. How am I supposed to find time for God? We are operating at such a high level that we oftentimes put God in the back seat. And we don't often put him in the front seat and say, you know what? I've got time for you. I have to make time in the morning. I make time at night. I want to spend time with my, with my God. And so when I ask questions like this, we, there's fortunately for us, we have an instruction booklet. And at Frontline, we call it the Bible. So we're going to take a look at a story here today. Um, it comes from uh, Luke 10. And so we're going to take there. If you have your Bible or if you have your phone, you have your iPad or whatever, I'm going to shoot it on the screen here in just a second. Uh, but we're going to look at a story from Luke 10. And in this story here, it's a very familiar story for those of you who grew up in the church. And you're going to read it and you're going to go like, oh, I know the ending of this story. I know the end of this story. I don't need to listen to this. But I want you to take a look at it from a little different point of view this time. Okay? And so when we look at any story from the Bible, it's always important to have context. Okay, we can't just jump into Scripture and just read something and go like, why? That's crazy, you know, but you got to know what's happened a little bit before, and you need to know what's happened a little bit after. So here's what's happening before, okay? Jesus, our central figure of the story, go figure, at church, Jesus is our central figure of the story. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's heading to Jericho, okay? And he gets this wonderful Pinterest invitation from Martha and Mary to come to a party they're throwing, okay? And it is wonderfully beautiful. And he says, okay, I can do this because they live in Bethany, which is like two miles out of Jerusalem. So Martha and Mary and Lazarus are really great friends of Jesus. And so they're going to stop by the house here, Jesus is, and this party that uh, Martha and Mary invited them to. So we'll jump into the scripture here. So here we go. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So we're going to pause the story here. Some of you already know the ending of the story, and you're already jumping to that. So, but we're going to pause the story here for a second, and we're going to take a look at these three characters. And we're going to start with Jesus because we always start with Jesus, right? Because he's the central figure in the Bible. And when you were in Sunday school and you didn't know the answer, you said, Jesus, right? Because your teacher says, no, that's not the right answer. And then you said, 
Jesus is always the right answer. And then you were free from everything. So we're going to start with Jesus, okay? So here's Jesus. He gets this wonderful invitation, and he comes to the house of Martha, and he comes to the house of Mary. And he seems to be, by all accounts in the story, enjoying himself very much. He's reclining. He's got a woman at his feet. So I don't know where that goes, but he's enjoying his time here, having some apps, maybe throwing back a little glass of wine or something, just having a wonderful time here. And, you know, granted the fact that he did bring 12 extra people to the party, but, you know, that's, that's okay, you know. So, but people equal party, so he's good there. He's enjoying himself immensely here when all of a sudden Martha comes running in here and says, throws it right at his feet. Tell her to help me. Like that. So that's, that's where Jesus is in this story right now. Let's take a look at Mary, our, our other, one of the other central figures here. Mary, she's sitting at the Lord's feet here. And I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to say it plain out. In, in my opinion, Mary's a little ditzy here, okay? I think she's just a little ditzy. I mean, they threw this wonderful party. She knew preparations had to be made. And here she is. She's sitting at the feet. Does she not know there's stuff to do? Granted, Jesus did bring 12 extra people, so it should be in her mind like, hey, there might be a little extra stuff that needs to happen here. But here she is. She is totally engrossed with what Jesus is saying. She is totally enamored. She is totally focused on everything that he has to say, everything that he has to say, that she is oblivious to everything else out around her. Uh, there's an old hymn that's uh, out there, and uh, Man, I wrote this down because uh, I thought this was so good. I thought this fits so good to it. Um, the old hymn goes, The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Remember that old hymn? I think that's Mary here. I think the things of this world grew strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so she is totally oblivious to what's happening. Now we come to the last person in this part of the story, and that's Martha. And that's Martha. Can anybody relate to Martha here, okay? I see out there there's a few Marthas out here. Martha, I mean, Martha in this story, I think she's doing everything right. I mean, she's throwing a wonderful party. People are engaging and talking. There's a conversation. Appetizers are being passed, and things are happening very well. But all of a sudden, she realizes she's alone in making this party happen, and yet it was... Martha and Mary who invited Jesus to it. So Martha, I, I, I picture her this way, okay? I picture her over here working in the kitchen, and I picture her trying to see all of a sudden Mary's not next to her, and she's like, what's going on here? So maybe she starts rattling a few dishes, okay? Try to get Mary's attention. Of course, that'll wake her up. It'll maybe drop a pan or two. It's like, oh, Mary, yeah, that's I'm supposed to be helping. No, that doesn't work. So maybe Martha does the, uh, the next thing, maybe. She goes, uh, <clears throat> you know, the old, <clears throat> you know, and still nothing from Mary. So then I'm thinking maybe the last resort, she comes around, peeks her head around the corner, and gives her the stink eye. You, you know what the stink eye is, right? Have you gotten the, you know, like that? My grandma had the best stink eye, okay? She just literally kill you with her stink eye. You've just shriveled at the thing. She gives the stink eye. You knew something was wrong. So I'm thinking Martha's probably went to those resorts first, but nothing seems to work. When all of a sudden, finally, she's so exasperated, she goes to Jesus and says, 
won't you tell her to help me? Won't you tell her to help me? So let's pick up the rest of the story here. Pick up the rest. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and you are upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Is that crazy? This, what, what do you think Martha's response here is? Martha's response, she's like, sitting there, she's thinking, what? What are you saying to me? I mean, I invited, we got all these people here, we're having a party together, and you're saying she's the one who's chosen right? I mean, I mean I'm thinking Martha is thinking Jesus is going to say, maybe not Jesus, probably me, but, uh, you know, if I was Jesus, I'd be sitting there like, uh, Mary, get off your lazy and get in, in there and help. I mean, that's what I think Martha is expecting Jesus to say. But she does, he doesn't. He does a whole 180, and he goes into this, she has chosen what is better. You know, Martha, Martha, what are you doing here? This, you are supposed to be spending time with me, and yet you're worried about all this stuff going on. And the things of this world are growing strangely dim for Mary because she is choosing what is right. Now, I'm going to take a step out of this real quick, and I'm going to say, I think Martha made a quick mistake here right off the bat, okay? Because this is a free part of the sermon for you, free part. Okay, you don't have to get paid for your charge for this, but uh, Martha did something what we call triangulation, okay? So this is uh, conflict management 101, okay? So Martha had a problem with who? Mary. But instead of Martha going to Mary, she went to Jesus, okay? So she went to person C over here and said, hey, you tell her that I'm having a problem here. So folks, this is trying. This happens in business. This happens in the church world. This cannot happen, okay? So this is what caused her. I think Mary or Martha made that mistake because she went to Jesus. I wonder what would happen if she would have went to, Mar- or to Mary first. But she didn't. She went to Jesus. But Jesus says to her, he says, Martha, Martha, you have chosen wrong here. This is what's important. This right here. Everything else, that's not as important. Folks, I want to introduce you to you today something called a savoring pace. A savoring pace. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, concept here that I want to unpack in just a moment here, but a savoring pace. And you ask yourself, what is a savoring pace? I'm glad you asked. A savoring pace is living life that allows for seeing things more clearly, listening more carefully, and thinking more deeply. A savoring pace is living a life that allows for seeing things more clearly, listening more carefully, and thinking more deeply. I, I love that word savor. I, I, it just has such a rich, rich word for me. So can you say that word with me? Say it. Savor. One more time. Savor. There you go. Don't get weird and freaky on me. You're like, savor, or something like that. But just like, savor. It just... What does savor mean? According to Webster, savor is to taste and to smell and to relish and to delight in and to enjoy in pleasure. What, what do you savor in life? What do you savor in life? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I savor, and this is, again, totally off subject, but I, I savor chili dogs, okay? I love me some chili dogs, okay? And in Grand Rapids, we're blessed with some great chili dogs. I, I savor me some yeser dog. I savor me some mad dogs. But I'll tell you what, what I really savor, I savor me 
some BJ's hot dogs, okay? If you ever know them there on, on, on Wealthy, it's a little-known place there. But, man, they are awesome, awesome chili dogs in there. What do you savor? What are you savoring in life? Savor means to relish and to cherish and to live and to, to love something so well that you are going to take it and you are just going to enjoy it to the fact. A savoring pace is what we are called to. And I think Mary is a great explanation or a great example of what it means to live a savoring pace. So let's unpack this savoring pace real quick here. Uh, a savoring pace means to see things more clearly. See things more clearly. What do I mean by that? I think we need to see things a little bit more slowly. We rush through life and we miss things. We go through things so quickly that we don't really see what's happening around us. Uh, this just happened to me this past fall. I was uh, uh, leaving my house early in the morning, one morning, and uh, I backed out of my driveway. And as I backed out there, I saw this scrawny-looking, ugliest deer you've ever seen in my life sitting out in the field in our back of our, uh, back of our property over there. And I thought to myself, wow, that is the sickest-looking deer I've ever seen. And so I took off. I was in a rush, in a hurry, heading to Frontline, of all places, to go to work. So I worked all day here. Uh, at night, I uh, had a meeting, so I didn't get home uh, real early. Parked my car. Next morning, I get up, and I back my car out. And there's that same scrawny, ugly-looking deer sitting out there. I think, what is it with this deer? Was it a bad summer? What, why is it so scrawny, ugly-looking? But I'm in a rush. I'm in a hurry. So run off to work here at Frontline again. Again, another meeting at night, late night. So get home. Next morning, back out of the car. Back out the car. Take a look. And there's that scrawny-looking deer. I'm like, what is it with this deer? So I get out of my car here. I walk over there. I'm trying to be really quiet, okay, because I don't want to scare the deer. I get up there, and the deer's not moving. And then I realize it's my daughter's target, deer target, for bow season that's coming up. And she's been practicing on it, and she set it up out there. for. And I'm like, how did I not see that? How did I not see that? Because I was rushing so quickly and moving through life so quickly. I have to see things more clearly, see things more slowly. The other thing we need to do is we need to listen more carefully. I'm, I'm going to admit uh, something to you, and, and here's, again, total, total uh, openness right here. A lot of times when I'm talking to people, I don't listen real well, okay? I am thinking of what I am going to say when they are speaking to me. Anybody else in this camp willing to admit it here? A few other, few other ones over there? Okay, so that is something I have had to work with all my life here because I'm going at such a high speed. I want to get things done that I don't listen properly to you. So my mentor uh, taught me a sweet little trick that I have been using. So if I use this with you, that means I'm paying attention to you, okay? If I don't use it with you, that means I'm probably not. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I, uh, here's a sweet little trick that I, that I use, and I repeat back what uh, you say to me. So I'll say, is this what I heard you say? Or let me get this straight. Um, this is what I'm hearing you talk about right now. And so if I do that, it consciously helps me to enter into the conversation and to listen more carefully. Uh, you know, Stephen Covey, in his great book there, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he, he said in habit number five is seek to understand before being understood. And you have to listen in order to understand somebody. I think we run through life so quickly, we're not listening to people. How many times have we missed instructions from a spouse or a kid or something because we didn't listen well, uh, I'm really guilty of that. And the last one here I think we talk about is we need to think more deeply. And so what do I mean by this? 
I think what I mean by this is that you need to think reflectively and to think longer and ponder on things. I, I see this in the picture here with Mary, and I, I think this is where she was. I think she was thinking so deeply of what Jesus was saying, and she was listening so carefully that all of a sudden everything around her grew strangely dim. Are we listening and seeing and thinking deeply of the things of God when we spend time with him? We're living at a savoring pace. And what happens if we don't live at a sacred pace, or a savoring pace? What happens is I think we sacrifice some stuff. And, and this is true of me. So I started writing down just a few things that I think I'm, I'm sacrificing. I think I'm sacrificing judgment. How many decisions have I personally made, or maybe you have personally made, that you said, you know what, you made a rash, quick decision on something because, you know what, you didn't take the time to do it. I mean, most of my wardrobe today is a, is a byproduct of sacrificing judgment on there that I didn't take my time. So you take your time on things, and you get a good judgment on it, and you take and listen to where the Holy Spirit is moving. You make sound decisions and live into that savoring pace. Another thing I think we sacrifice is joy. We miss out on so much joy, folks. There is joy in so many, so many things. But yet, we are always running and we're always looking for the next thing that we miss out on the joy. We've all heard the, the phrase TGIF, right? And uh, thank God it's Friday. And I hear people saying that like on Monday, you know, they're like so looking forward to TGIF. I can't wait to TGIF. I can't wait. But, there. but what they do is they miss out on the joy of Monday. And they miss out on the joy of Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. How often are we rushing through life that we miss out on the joy? We sacrifice joy because we're looking for the next thing or we rush by something so quickly. And the last thing I think we sacrifice is I, th I think we sacrifice patience. Um, again, uh, probably total confession here, I am probably the most impatient person in this room. Is it only me or do I get into mire? Am I the only person that's behind the slowest person in the world, okay? With 25 items and the 12 items are less, that is, that is my life right there. And that is it. I'm sacrificing patience. I let that bother me so much, the fact that, you know what, it is, it is robbing joy out of me and it is robbing all this savoring pace out of me because I just am so impatient. I want to live a life that lives at a savoring pace. I want to see things more clearly, and I want to listen more carefully, and I want to think more deeply. And I had the opportunity to do that, I'll tell you. Um, I'll take you back one month ago uh, to, uh, to June 1st. Uh, my wife Kim and I, we led a team from Frontline here of seven other people. There was nine of us total. And we went to Haiti on a trip to visit our partner down there, uh, Ebenezer Discipleship Training Center. And it was a wonderful trip. We had an awesome time. But let me tell you how it started out, okay? We left Grand Rapids, and we flew to Miami. And then from Miami, we flew to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. We landed into Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and I was all of a sudden introduced to something that I had no clue was coming, and it's called Haitian time, okay? If you've been to Haiti, you know what I'm going with this. But I gotta tell you, Haitian time. Haitian time is like no other time in the world. Haitian time, we live in the eastern time zone here, okay? So when it's 8 o'clock right here, in Haiti, it's still the eastern time zone, but in Haiti, it might be, you know, 10.15, 10.22, 10.50. It might even be 11.30 for them, okay? So 
they run on a whole different time zone than we do. And here's the deal. It happened right when we got there. So we flew our plane in. We landed in Haiti. And we landed, and we were there, and we just sat on the plane for 25 minutes. We didn't go anywhere. Because apparently somebody decided or forgot to, in fact, bring the jet bridge from the airport to the plane. Okay? And so we sat there. So finally they said, hey, we probably should put some stairs there. So they bring up some stairs. So we open up the doors. We walk out onto the stairs there, down the stairs. And now we are sitting on a tarmac in Haiti, nine white, pasty Americans, okay, down there on 140-degree heat in, in Haiti on a tarmac, and we're waiting for a bus to come to transport us over to the terminal. So 20 minutes, we wait on the bus. Finally, a bus comes. This bus seats 20 people, but 40 of us get on because that's the Haitian way. So we jump onto the bus. There's 40 of us on here. We get over there. Now, granted, we're not the first people ever to come to Haiti, so you would think they'd have the customs things figured out, okay? Here we are, figuring out customers. 25 minutes later. So now we're over an hour some from the time we landed, and we're going to go down and get our luggage, okay? So surely our luggage is spinning around the carousel, right? It has to be sitting down there. We walk down there. No. 25 more minutes later, it's like, oh, here comes the luggage starting to spin around on the carousel. We load up the luggage, throw it onto a van. Again, a van made for 10 people, but 20 of us jump onto it. So we're in there, luggage on top, hanging out the sides, and we begin our trip for a two-and-a-half-hour drive out to uh, Ebenezer Discipleship Training Center. So that's how my day, first day in Haiti started, okay? Second day, I get into the second day here, I step into it, and we're supposed to leave at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock comes. We're not going to leave. Okay, well, maybe we're running a little late. 10 o'clock, still not going anywhere. Okay, 10.30, surely somebody has to be running. We're getting on time here. We're missing something. 10.40-ish, we start, okay, hey, we're going to go now. Oh, okay, you know, so... This whole day, you know, was that exasperating way for me. And the people before I left told me, Blake, you are just going to be so exasperated because you are a schedule person, you are a list person, and this is going to blow your mind that you're going to be in Haitian time and you're going to have to live into this. So anyway, second day came, second day went, and I was completely frustrated already. And so I had a decision to make here. I had a decision to make. I had you know, five more days of that. We're going to be there for a week. I had five more days to be able to say, like, I'm going to be frustrated the whole time, or I'm going to have to live into what this Haitian uh, time is. And so I made the conscious decision that night. I said to my wife, I says, I'm going to embrace this. It's going to be a stretch. I'm going to embrace this, and I'm going to step into Haitian time here. And let me tell you, the Haitian people got it figured out, guys. I tell you, they figured out what savoring pace is. They figured it out. You know why? Because Haitian time is based on relationships. It's not based on the clock. So the fact that our jet bridge didn't come, I'm assuming there was a relationship going on there. The fact that our, our, our van to pick us to bring us there, I figured that was a relationship needed to be. All of this, I'm figuring, hey, my mind is starting to open up the fact that maybe they've got it right, and I've been getting it wrong all these years. And I stepped into this Haitian time of being able to see more clearly, listen more carefully, and think more deeply. The team members that, I, that, are, that were with me, uh, Paul and Jen Knapp were in the first service, and they were sitting right there. I mean, I got to know them. I mean, like, really 
got to know them. And that was so cool. And there was mother team members on there I got to know. But if I was rushing through life, I missed all of that. How many relationships are we missing? Because we're running so fast. 64%, it said, of us are rushing. We're hurried. We're generally tired at the pace of our lives. But yet, the Lord offers us the savoring pace, the savoring pace of being able to see more clearly, listen more carefully, and think more deeply. So here's my challenge to you this morning. Here's my challenge. This week right here, would you be willing to try living out a savoring pace this week? This is the perfect week to start it. Why? Because this is kind of a holiday week, okay? We got the holidays stuck right in the middle, but this is the most vacationed week of the year, okay? So this is a perfect opportunity to try out this savoring pace because you're slowed down already, and you can live into this. And so if you're willing to live into this, here's my second question. What changes do you need to make in your life? What changes need to be made in your life that you can live into a savoring pace? I tell you guys, it's not boring, okay? It sounds boring to you. Some of you are dismissing me. You're going like, man, that just sounds lazy. It's not lazy. It's what, the God, it's what our God has called us to. He said it was right when he said it to Mary. He said, this is what's right. And I want to ask you guys this week if you would be able to take that challenge with me. Let's pray, and then the band's going to come up here and kick a couple more songs out, and then we're going to leave. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you are doing. We thank you for that you are a God of order, that you are a God of structure, uh, that you are a God of not rushing, right? You are a God who takes your time with us, and we're thankful for that, Lord, that you don't rush to decisions on us. You are a God who loves us for who we are, even on our rushed state, Lord, you tell us to calm down, slow down, and to savor what you have created. Lord, you have given us so much to enjoy. I think of this heat out here, and a lot of us are like, man, we don't, we don't even want to be out there. But Lord, you have given us that, and that is a blessing. And we're thankful for it. We're thankful for all that you do for us, Lord. We ask that in this season right now, Lord, where it's summertime, and it's generally a slower time. Maybe this doesn't apply to some people, but they're going to bank it away and they're going to say, you know, I can bring this out later in life. But, but Lord, just teach us. Teach us how to savor. Uh, most importantly, Lord, teach us how to savor you and to grow in our relationship and grow in our love for you for that. And that is why we're created. Lord, we pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. I invite you to stand and sing with us as we reflect on God's mercies.